Welcome to another North-South podcast. Today we have a special guest joining us, Joe Cran. Joe is a well-known soccer pundit in South Africa who's a regular contributor for the likes of Soccer Laduma and Supersport and has to be one of the go-to people when football is involved. Joe won the 2015 Bookmarks Young Gun Award and is an avid Sheffield Wednesday supporter. Let's get into it. So thank you for joining us uh, this evening. Um, and yeah, we, we are very excited to be able to speak to you tonight. It's a pleasure to have you, Joe. It's a pleasure. Uh, do you want to go ahead, uh, Alistair, with, with some of your yeah. first opening remarks? Uh, Joe, I've been following you for uh, qu- quite a while on social media, so I get to see what an exciting life you live. Um, uh, I, 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 I've obviously um, seen that uh, in some of your media postings, you, you grew up in Yorkshire. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh, what that was like growing up in the north of England. Uh, cold, for the most part. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I grew up in, in Yorkshire. I was obviously born there and, and first life in Yorkshire. Um, one of the things that I... I do miss about home and I think I'll always miss about home is is the people I think Yorkshire's known for um the friendliness of the people there and um I mean I grew up in a in a household where um we were taking foreign students from the age of when I was probably about eight so I've been constantly surrounded by new people different cultures different languages and I think a lot of uh, what I've sort of achieved at this point in my life is down to that that upbringing that I had with, with my mum and dad back home in Yorkshire because um, they were always very open and always very eager for us to, for me and my little brother to um, to meet new people and learn about different places and the different cultures around the world. So, I mean, like I say, Yorkshire is, is, is typically a very working class city. Um, got famous back in the day for, for the steel industry. Um, lots of, um, lots of cutlery still made there. Um, but yeah, so that's like I say, that's that's the basically the thing that Sheffield is most famous. That and the Full Monte. I don't know if you've heard of the film, the Full Monte. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, um, and obviously, um, one of the things that people talk about with Sheffield is the fact that it's uh, technically the birthplace of football. Um, the very first football club in the world was yes, was yes. formed in Sheffield. Um, so I'm 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 I like to think that I'm born in the in the birthplace of the the greatest sport in the world. Of course, I have to agree with you in that sense. Football is definitely the greatest sport in the world. Uh, obviously, uh, anyone who knows anything about you knows that football played a major part in your life growing up. Perhaps if you could tell us a bit about your early days, maybe your first memory at Hillsborough Stadium, um, uh, 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 perhaps a Steel City Derby. Perhaps uh, was that something that stood out for you growing up? Uh, the very first football game I went to at Hillsborough was... Um actually something that tied me to South Africa. Um, it was Sheffield Wednesday against Leeds United um, and Lucas Kadebe was Lucas Redeva, of course, yes. Um, so Lucas, it's crazy for me that uh, so many years later, more than more than 20 years later now, um, Lucas is a guy that I, I call my friend, this a guy that I regularly see at different events. He always makes sure to come, come and say hello and um, we'll talk a little bit of nonsense about yeah. Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds because there's, there's a big rivalry there. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I think it's uh, that that for me is one of the, the well, one of my first main memories. I mean, I went with my dad Wednesday nights as well. Um, so that was, like I say, that that's something that's always sort of resonated with me. Uh, I think my favourite memory, um, especially from a from a Wednesday perspective, 
was watching us uh, watching us win the, the League One playoff final. I think I was probably about seventeen, um, and we beat Hartlepool in the final. Um, we played in Cardiff, and I think it was about eighty percent Wednesday nights, and that was a that was a great day out. I think that's like I say, that's probably my my, my best memory as a football fan. I mean. I've been to World Cup finals. I've done Afcons. I've done all that kind of stuff. Of course, yes. But I don't think nothing, nothing is ever going to beat that that feeling that I had at um, at the at that Hartlepool game in, in in Cardiff. Unless we win another playoff final and go back to the Premier League, maybe that'll top it. Of course, yes. Well, uh, as a youngster, did you guys ever uh, venture across to Bramall Lane for any of those matches? <clears throat> Yeah, no, I've been to Bramall Lane plenty of times. Unfortunately, um, my my uncle, my uncle was a sorry, my uncle was a big blade. Um, so I used to, I, I always grew up with a just a love of, of football. So I mean, I I went to lots of stadiums around the country. I I followed England for a long time. I went to watch England in France and in Holland and Europe. Um, and I think one of the things that for me was I just I just love the environment of football games. I love the the singing and the the sort of camaraderie that's there, and I think one of the things that really stood out for me growing up was just to feel part of something. And I think that you 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 have people from all different walks, different colours, different creeds, different cultures. Um, they're all there to support a team, and it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a, a, a nonsense, really. If you bring it down to the the core of it, it's it's uh, it doesn't really mean much. But it really means the world as well. So I think that, like I say, for me growing up, I I used to go to a lot of Newcastle games. Um, my my friend's uncle was a um, was a season ticket holder at Newcastle, so I went to St James's a lot. Been to Ellen Road a few times. Obviously, been to Wembley watching England. So I went to a lot of football grounds growing up, and I, I was never too uh, never too proud to to go take a seat in Bramall Lane if there was a decent game. Sure. Uh, I love that you mentioned uh, a bit earlier about Lucas uh, Khadebe. Of course, for, uh, 256 matches for Leeds, um, quite a household name probably in Yorkshire and probably the most famous South African, perhaps in that region of, of the country. Probably the most famous African. Um, I mean, oh, wow, Lucas, right. Lu- Lucas, in, Lucas in Leeds is like a god. Um, I mean, there's after him, there's a suite named after him at Ellen Road. I mean, the the, yeah. the way that I mean, look, Kaiser Chiefs, the band is named because of Lucas. Um, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the guy is 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 worshipped in Leeds, and rightly so. I mean, he was for me growing up in in that period. There was a point when I think Lucas was probably top three centre backs in the world. Uh, I'd I agree with that was, for there sure. Yeah, there was many when he was at his peak. I don't think there was many many better than him. And and the, uh, look, he turned down Man United to stay at Leeds, and and I think that meant a lot to the to the Leeds fans there. And uh, my my granddad is a is a Leeds fan, so um, my, my other granddad, sorry, he's a he's a Leeds fan. So I I, I um I used to go to Ellen Road a couple of times with him, and um, I was lucky enough to watch watch Wednesday at at Ellen Road against Leeds. Um, so I got to, to watch Lucas play a couple of times, and I think it was only when I came here, um, and I got to know Lucas a little bit that you really understand um, why the why the man is. Is so highly regarded because I mean he's just stupidly nice. And he, the, yeah. like, Lucas, Lucas has is well. He would be well within his rights to be a bit of an arsehole and be a bit full of himself and not take time to talk to people. But he's the polar opposite of that. I mean, whenever I've been anywhere of Lucas, he always makes sure he takes all the time in the world to um, to take pictures and to talk to people. And I was watching some of uh, Chipper Messinger's funeral service today and. Yeah. Um, Lucas was in tears, and you and you can see it's genuine. He's just a genuine person who 
happened to be very, very good at football at one point. Yeah, I mean, of course, rest in peace to Fulamon Masinga. Uh, a great loss for South African football. But, uh, and Joe, of course, you, you mentioned uh, when you were talking about Lucas, the, one of the best three uh, centre-backs in the world at that time. Um, would you put perhaps put uh, a man you've met, Roberto Carlos, on the left of that? Yeah, I mean, Roberto, I, I, I've, it's weird. Like, I, with, with Roberto Carlos, he was the kind of the quintessential left-back for me growing up. I mean, when I was sort of... My formative years as a football fan, when I was sort of eight, nine, ten years old... Um, he was playing for Brazil and he was at Madrid and just he was just a bulldozer. I mean, there weren't many better left foots in the world than he was around. I mean, probably still, there can't be many better than his. Um, I remember sitting and watching loads of videos of, of him scoring from the byline and stuff like that. I mean, some of the stuff that Roberto Carlos did was was insane. I mean, I think there was a... We've had some good left-backs in our, in our sort of... I don't know how, don't know how old they are, but um, in my lifetime, we've had some really good left-backs that... And I think Roberto Carlos is definitely up there. He's uh, a yeah. when you meet him in person, he's he's very short. I'm not a tall person, <laughs> and he's shorter than me. Um, but he's just, just kind of full of life and, and very bubbly. The first time I actually spoke to him, I did an interview with him over Skype, and he doesn't speak a word of English. So we <laughs> we um, we had a translator, and I was sat on my couch at home with uh, with Roberto Carlos on on my laptop, which was yeah. a little bit surreal for me, having watched watched him do what he did growing up. Yeah, uh, Joe, uh, two quick things I wanted to pick your brain on before Darren has a bit of a word with you about the current Premier League season. Uh, obviously, you met uh, Roberto Collis' teammate at, the, at that point in time, David Beckham. Was that just a fleeting moment or did you perhaps manage to have a word or two with him? Oh, no, that was incredibly fleeting. I mean, he is the superstar of superstars in the football industry. I mean, you, you don't find many bigger than him. I mean, even if you look at Ronaldo and Messi now... Um, they they've kind of followed on from what Beckham did, and I think he was yeah. the pioneer of this this whole um, football celebrity culture that we've got. We've got the Pogba's and and we've got the Neymar's now, but I think all of those will look at Beckham and 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 look at him as the as the pioneer of that. Um, and I think one thing that he's become very very good at is uh, making sure everybody feels like they they've not been undersold when you when you meet him. And Matt, I mean, I met him at the Discovery Conference, and it was literally just a. Uh, a picture moment. That was that was it. Um, I'm hoping that he doesn't remember. So one day when I do get to interview him properly, he won't just remember <laughs> me as that weird fan in South Africa. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, I, I expected uh, that to be the case. David Beckham is well renowned for, for for being quite a humanitarian and and quite a um, you know a respectable human being. But uh, I, in my in my in my slight research into you, I see you managed to fit in nine different countries in one year. Uh, like, did you manage to pick up any languages? You were talking about about Roberto Carlos, and obviously you couldn't speak any Portuguese with him. Uh, anything language-wise that you managed to pick up in those nine different countries? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's not the most I've done. I did I did eleven in in two thousand eleven when I did my oh. I did like a a trip around the world, which was one thing I always wanted to do growing up. Um, one of the reasons it actually led me to to move to South Africa. The first on that year long trip that I did was was the World Cup year. Um, in 2010 and I was working for Soccer Duma as an intern at the time I did a month and after that I, they offered me a job so that that kind of uh, that that trip was uh, the sort of catalyst for, for me moving here permanently but the, the, like I say with languages I'm never really anywhere long enough um, yeah the, makes the, sense 
I did learn a little bit of Brazilian Portuguese when I when I when I was there. I, I stayed there for about three months in in Niteroi, which is just over the bay from Rio. So I um I speak spoke a little bit of Brazilian Portuguese. Um, yeah. when I do go back there, I, I I pick up little bits again. But I think the the best way to to learn any kind of language is is through immersion. And um, yeah. the problem that I've got as an English person, and it's a an issue that every English person speaking in the world, well, not every, but a lot have, is that it's easy to speak English most people speak it so you become lazy and and I think it's it's one of the reasons why um we have this um arrogant stereotype that that British and American people have for instance because nobody bothers to learn any other languages um and and I've I've got a lot of respect for the for the for the people that do because uh, I mean I speak little bits of French and I speak little bits of Spanish enough to sound like a um like a baby, basically, I can say things like "wear toilet" and kind of <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, um, Joe, after not, after not, plus not minus after plus minus seven years, how's your Afrikaans after after about seven years in Gauteng? Ugh, my my girlfriend's Afrikaans, um, but they basically the only thing I can say is "later for your ma," uh, because that's <laughs> basically what a mom tells her to do all the time. Yeah, um, and then a few other words that I probably can't say on the show. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look at. Um, so I, like, I mean, look, I, I, with the, the thing with, with Afrikaans especially is that um, I do find that when I hear it, um, there are little bits that do sound kind of English. They're like deformed English words a little bit. So based on that <laughs> and the, the, the context in, it, in which it's said, um, there are little bits yes. I don't understand the the sort of meaning. Um, like yes, I, I, yes. I know if... If if Steph's annoyed at me and she she's saying something Afrikaans, I can usually understand um, what it is I've done wrong. Yeah, I, I think something like an Ahmed or something like something. Weird, weirdly, like weirdly, I've started saying that. I do say it, <laughs> which I never said before. Uh, what about Ya, uh, J A uh, instead of yeah, Y A? No, that's that that's very easy to slip in. In Yorkshire, we we shorten everything, and then Ya is, is shorter and lazier. So yeah, that that fits right into my. Uh, my agenda of, of trying to say as little as possible. Yeah, that, and, uh, I, I and, can... And, uh, wait, be, uh, sorry, Darren, before I let <laughs> okay, Darren take over, <laughs> just one more quick thing. Uh, obviously, you live in Gauteng, you live in Joburg, um, and obviously you've been around to many different countries. Uh, uh, you've been to the best of the best stadiums, um, obviously the best stadium, the stadium in the world, the best of them all, Stamford Bridge. I think that might give a hint of uh, where my allegiance lies. Uh, obviously, you've been to San Siro and places like that. The question that, that I was really interested in asking you, Joe, is is at, at full tilt, at full capacity with the crowd pumping, how does FNB Stadium in Joburg match up to those other, um, um, you know, legendary places? I think that the, the thing that, that always amazes me with FNB, especially, on, well, I say especially, it's only ever on Sweat or Derby Day. It's the only time that the, that stadium fills up. Um, I mean, you get quite close if, if Chiefs play Sundowns, for instance, or there's a, a final there. But the thing that always fascinates me about the the Soweto derby is just it's it's a unique experience, a genuinely unique experience. I mean, there is nowhere else in the world where you find a rivalry like that, where the fans are able to sit next to each other and there's no hassle. I mean, there's obviously there's little bits, but for the most part, there's no hassle. The fans sit there unsegregated and it, it is, it's amazing. And there is a little part of me... I, I do like the idea of a chunk of fans sitting together and singing together, but the, the Soweto derby really is a is a unique experience. And to see um, a team going out there uh, like they do 
with Chiefs and Pirates going at each other for 90 minutes. And at the end of the game, you see people walking out of the stadium with each other. I just think it's amazing. And I think it's uh, it shows it shows a lot about sort of the, the way South Africa is um, as a country. Yeah. And maybe I can just jump in and one of the questions I thought of while listening now, um, as a South African who's come over to the UK uh, for you know, a change of lifestyle, um, I, there aren't as many uh, British that are going the opposite direction like you have. Um, so I'd be interested to, to know why why you chose South Africa when you did, um, if there was any particular reason for it, or was it just kind of, yeah, uh, an instinct kind of choice? Uh, no, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you, it was opportunity. Um, I was 20 years old. Um, I came here and did an internship when I was uh, when I was 19. At the end of that, they offered me a job. Um, and that's literally, that's literally what it came down to. Uh, I mean, I, I'd, I'd been accepted into uni in, in the UK, and I had a choice of either going to university or like going to university to study to be a go be a journalist um so i made the decision when i was like i say i moved here permanently at 21 um the plan was maybe come for a year if it works out stick around a bit longer if it doesn't i'll go home and seven years later i'm i'm still here <laughs> right so it definitely worked out in your favor and i'm pretty sure yeah you're, you're glad for the choices you did make um yeah, I mean, look, I think with, with, with life, there's always things that you you wish you'd done differently. Um, there's sometimes I think what would have happened if I stayed at home? What would have happened if I'd gone to a different country? But I mean, look, I, I came here. I've been here for eight years now. I've got some amazing friends. I, I met my, my girlfriend here. We've been together for a long time now as well. And, and I think that for, for my career, I do think life as well i think it was it was all right um like i said there's always going to be regrets with ever with everything you do not necessarily regrets but there's always going to be that sort of what if in the back of your head but from like i say from my side i i don't i don't regret coming here i don't think oh like i made the wrong decision i mean south africa is a great country and i think it's made me a a better wiser person by being here yeah definitely uh, i definitely think south africa is probably the best country uh in the world, yeah. Uh, was the, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so, sorry, I'm with you. <laughs> so, yeah, um, um, Joe, I see you You have a partnership with Betway, which is the, the outlet I used to do my betting in South Africa. Um, I quite like them. I see they introduced yeah, the cash-out option as well recently. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a really nice, something I've been asking them about for a long time, because obviously it's a big thing in the UK. Um, so I'm glad they've added that in now because uh, the amount of times that I lose my bet on one game, uh, that's basically why I was asking because I was sick of losing. Yeah. So um, so I see you give your, your five-way bet prediction. Uh, how, how wide of a view do you take in making that five-way bet? Do you look at, at, at every possible league or do you narrow it down to the ones where you can get a bit more um, um, uh, you know, reliable uh, statistics going for those leagues? Look, I mean, when I, whenever I make my picks, it's uh, look, it's, it's there's always going to be a little bit of thumb suck there because I mean it's football. Um, the amount of times that I've lost a bet because the top of the league team has drawn with a team that's nineteenth, um, that, that that happens sometimes. Uh, but no, I think with me, like I, I'm I'm a big fan of stats. Um, I always I like to try and throw in the, the both teams to score option. Uh, so I, I there's actually a website I use that you can go and check. Um, 
what percentage of, of games these teams have had where they've had the uh, BTTS on it. Um, like I think FC Basel have got a, like a 90% both teams to score this season. For a long while, Sheffield Wednesday were, were up there as well because we were scoring at least one. Um, that that yeah. just seemed to be what we were doing. Yeah. Um, speaking of Sheffield Wednesday, I don't think we'll bring up the championship log. Uh, perhaps when we have you on the podcast again, I think in the next season we can bring that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and maybe one of the things that, yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind talking about, uh, especially because uh, it's one of the teams uh, I've followed for, for most of my life, uh, that's Manchester United. Um, and, yeah, their recent turnaround uh, of seven wins on the trot Premier League. Uh, if you can just speak speak on that uh, that turnaround and whether or not you think that yeah he, he's got any chance of staying on as manager uh, going into the next season. Um. Yeah, I mean, look when when you have that kind of start to a, a club like Man United, I mean, it's it's the best ever start to to any for any coach at that club. And I mean, in that that kind of situation, I think a chance. Um, I, I don't personally don't think they will stick with with Solskjaer. I think he was always brought in as a um, someone to come in and steady the ship, and who knew the club and knew the way that it worked. and And you can see by the the freedom that he's given the players, and you can see that he is um, he's come in with a an ideology of uh, we're Man United. You you're, you're the ones who've got to beat us, not the other way around. Um, and I think that that's that's shown with the with the players they've got there. I mean. Pogba looks like a completely different player. He, he's he's playing with a vigor that he, you didn't really see m- much of, and and I, I think there's been a lot said about his um, his style and the fact that he did kind of seem to spit his dummy out a little bit under Mourinho. But you've got to look at uh, both sides of the coin, and, and sure, there's a there's a little bit of um, a little bit to be said about the, the way he um, I suppose underperformed. Of license was he was he given, and, and and I don't think we'll ever really know that. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely uh, from the games I've watched, I think I've watched the last three of their games. Um, I, I definitely see a, a whole different change uh, in, in the freedom of play, uh, and uh, the players are definitely allowed more, you know, more leeway to express themselves on the field, uh, which is yeah, completely always great to see, and, and yeah, they definitely come into their own uh, with, with with that. Um, and then maybe moving towards the, the, the top of uh, the league table then um, and looking at, at Liverpool um, and their chances of possibly winning, um, you know, winning the league this year um, and, and the impact of, of uh, Mo Salah. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe you can just... Yeah, give us a bit of a breakdown of what you think. Uh, yeah, Liverpool have to do to to win it. Um, do you, do you think they will? Uh, it seems to be a, a two horse race at the moment with uh, Man City and Liverpool. Uh, I, I think are, are probably the ones to yeah to win. Uh, do you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, look at things that seem to be going Liverpool's way that that do um, stand out in a in a. Championship winning season. I mean, you look at what happened in this last game um, to come back the way they did. That sort of thing that that champions do, and I, and I think that it's been a long time coming from Liverpool. And and one of the things that things that I I love about this Liverpool team is 
Um, it's just how exciting they are to watch. I mean, you look at the guys um, within that side, and um, I'm really happy that, that Marcelo's uh, kept it going. Um, I think there was a lot of people said he was going to be a one-season wonder, but Salah has, has really kicked off. He's just kept going at that level, and I don't think he's quite as um, enjoyable to watch maybe this season as he was last season, but he's keeping the goals coming, and he's, he's, he's playing his role um, incredibly well. And I think that that he's he probably feels more part of a, a team this year compared to the the Liverpool that we saw we saw last season. Even though they did reach the Champions League final, I think that there's a there's just something a little bit um, a little bit stronger about this Liverpool side. And and having a having some of the leaders that they have, like your Virgil Van Dijk's, um, it makes a massive difference to this squad. And I think that they they now seem to be finding that 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 balance of. Um, we had we've seen Liverpool teams in the past where they've been great at scoring goals, but but awful at defending them. Um, and and this season they set they seem to have, have like I say found that balance. So uh, Joe, is it is it safe to say that um, if we can get a prediction from you, perhaps on on the winner of this year's Premier League, it probably would be Liverpool, right? At this point, yeah. I mean, I think unless unless they really throw things away, but I mean we've we've seen that before. Um, we've seen that. Uh, so it, it, it's not it's not sort of beyond the realms of doubt, but uh, I do think that this this uh, this Liverpool team is is too good, and I think that their their coach is too savvy to to let that happen. And uh, if perhaps you could maybe just even though at this maybe three quarter point of of the season, maybe just throw in another three teams there who make it to Champions League. I mean, look, I think if we we look at what we've seen, I mean, I mean Man City are going to be there um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the other one I think is it's pretty open. I mean, I think Spurs are, are looking really strong. Um, the Harry Kane uh, absence will will hurt them, but I mean they they got the result they needed this weekend without him, and I think that they've got enough quality on that side to, to to move on. So I think I mean Spurs Spurs have been a really good side to watch for a couple. Of, they're just missing that that trophy that it it, it takes to to stand apart. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um... But um, moving on to something a little bit more um, uh, of your style, uh, I'm a, a big Arctic Monkeys fan. And uh, obviously being a Yorkshireman, I was hoping you'd be the Fantastic. same. And I was happy to see that. Thanks. Uh, I, I, I wanted you to just rate some of my, my, my two favorite albums of theirs. Uh, favorite Worst Nightmare from 07. And uh, I was about this for a name for everyone listening out there. Whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not. Um, yeah, and yeah, some of my favorite tracks coming from those um, uh, fluorescent adolescent, old yellow bricks. I bet you look good on the dance floor. So, do you think I've I've basically got the crux of what the Arctic Monkeys are about? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think anyone is really going to understand what the Arctic Monkeys are about because <laughs> Alex Turner's a nutcase. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but now, like, I mean, look, for me, they're 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 a band that um, that I grew up with. Um, they are, I suppose, the soundtrack of my of my youth. Um, their first album came out when I was about 16. Um, you mentioned Old Yellow Bricks there. I've actually got one of the Old, yeah, old Yellow Bricks tattooed on my, the, the lyrics tattooed on my arm. Um, they're, they're a band that mean a lot to me. I, when I was in America now in October, uh, I uh, organized a trip around going through to Dallas when they played in Dallas, just so I could see them again. I haven't seen them since I was probably 19. So they're, they're, like I say, they're a band that, that means a lot to me. And uh, they've... Uh, sort of helped me through some some tough times in my life, and to be honest, I I am slightly biased because they're from Sheffield, but I do think that Alex Turner's 
possibly the the greatest lyricist of our generation. I think that he's the the closest we have to uh, a John Lennon uh, and a Paul McCartney. Uh, and Joe, if if I could ask you, I, I definitely would say so. But would you agree with me in saying that the the drums on Views from the Afternoon is probably I don't know top ten in any rock song? Yeah, look, I, there's 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 a lot of good drum solos in the in the whole Arctic Monkeys album. I, look, I I think for me it's 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 difficult with with music because it's all about mood. It always it all depends on what you what you're looking for. I mean, you look at say um, the drums in in the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, and that's like an iconic um, an iconic one. You've got so many drum solos in in Queen songs, for instance. And and I, I, I look, I think. Like I say, for me, I am a little bit biased and um, View from the Afternoon is amazing, but there, there are, for me, a lot of drum solos out there. Um, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to see some some of these guys live. I remember watching Bullet for My Valentine in, um, in Australia and watching from above the drummer. Um, we were backstage and on, on the roof, basically, and watching these guys from, from that kind of vantage point is incredible. Uh, drummers make no sense to me. I don't understand how you can manoeuvre that quickly. Um, and Matt Helders is, like I say, one of the greatest drummers in my lifetime, for sure. But there is always going to be that little bit of bias there for me. But, uh, uh, Joe, I have to beg you, if you have any pull whatsoever with the Arctic Monkeys, you've got to get them down here. You really, really have to I get them I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. I think they're, I think they're fees too much. <laughs> Oh, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, my man. No, thank you very much for having me. It's always nice to chat about things that aren't necessarily always football. Uh, I, I think you're a very interesting character. You like, uh, like Darren said earlier, you you don't you don't uh, come across many people. The the immigration flow is usually in the opposite direction. So yeah. So like as as a South African, we have a lot of respect for you for dealing with the some of the nonsense that daily life brings in this country. Um, so, so, so you, you so, just take so it in your stride. You. Look, I mean, there's <laughs> nothing you can, nothing else you can do, mate. I mean, you know, when you when you come to a country like South Africa, you've got to realise what it's like. You've got to understand the 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 sort of complexities of here, and and that's why I said earlier that I think South Africa has made me a a better person because there's a lot of um, a lot of things that I've sort of grown to understand here, um, especially about something like like race and and the racial issues around the world. Um, and, and privilege and all that kind of stuff. The things that I'm not sure I would have had the same chance to, to get to grips with had I, had I stayed in the UK. And um, it's, it's one of the things that I'm, I suppose, mo most grateful for about my time in South Africa and, and the people that I, I surround myself with are all very, um, very forward-thinking people and, and people that um, not only... Uh, want to learn but are willing to help me learn to be a better person as well and I think it's one thing that we have to deal with in this in this modern world because things are changing so quickly and there's there's so many um, so many negative people around that we we have to learn to try and understand things from different people's perspectives and and I think that South Africa is is very much a place of different perspectives and and like I say you've got you've got to um, you've got to adapt quickly here and I and I I, I like to think that one of the reasons that I have done so well here is because of the fact that I have adapted to my surroundings so so well. Joe, um, and... finally, before uh, before we let you go, I, I think I left the, the most touchiest question for last. Um, obviously, uh, Joe, uh, obviously, uh, Lucas Khadebe is your friend. Um, as South Africans, we've 
slowly but surely watch the national team go from uh, ranking around 20th and being the pride of the continent to slipping uh, into the I don't even know where it is now as South Africans we are a bit frightened 74. to look 60s 70s I mean that's that's a bit scary and I just wanted to get your thoughts before you leave on perhaps obviously South Africa is a lot more developed than most other African countries especially when you look at countries like Central African Republic um and countries of that sort of economic nature um how how do you think it's able for them to to consistently outperform us how are we not using the development and the resources we have to our advantage to improve bafana bafana look i mean it's a very it's a very complex question it's there's a lot of um a lot of things involved in the success and or failure of of any national team but i think one of the the, the situations we have in south africa is um I don't think there is the desire to be better that there used to be. Um you talk about the guys coming from West Africa, Central Africa. Um you you look at those guys and they they are they're getting better because they need to. I mean, you look at guys like um guys who've come from from Ghana's and Nigeria's, they they leave the country because it's the only way for them to make a and make their fortune and make their living whereas i think you know we're at a point now with with south africa where you've got guys in in this country earning six five six bar a year um to stay in the psl and i don't think that desire to leave is is there anymore um the desire to be better and um i i think you, you've got other guys coming from different parts of africa who whose goal is to play for real madrid and play for barcelona and or get as close as they can to doing that whereas um for a, a lot of the time i think here the goal is to play for Chiefs and Pirates, and 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 then you're done. And I, and I, and I think that there's a, like I say probably not enough desire to to be better and 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 to really be the best that they can be, um, which is why it, it is something that I look at now with this this Bafana squad. And you look at your guys like Kamahela Mokotro and Bongani Zungu and um, Percy Tao, and 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 there's a there's a very very promising group of players coming through. Guys like Keegan Dolly. Who've, who've gone over to Europe and, and stuck it out there. I mean, Keegan's had his injury problems. Bongani's had his injury problems. Um, they haven't sort of spat the dummies out and, and come back again. Uh, Kevin Mokocho has been over in Europe since he was about 18 years old. And, and I think they're the sort of players that you, that you sort of need to be the, the spine of the team. Uh, and I think that there is a, there is a, a sort of a renewed optimism uh, around the players coming through with, with Bafana. I mean, there's always going to be issues with selection because because football is is a, a club game. So you're always going to get Pirates fans not wanting Chiefs players there and vice versa. And there's always going to be people disagreeing with the coach. But I think that the 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 sheer lack of consistency that we have in, in the national setup is is a problem as well. Uh, I mean, you look at um, the chopping and changing that we've done in terms of players, in terms of coaching staff. And it's why it's so nice to see what what Banyana are doing because they uh, it took them a while but they they put faith in, in Desiree Ellis and and she's she's proven why she deserved it and and Des has done a great job with Banyana and and with the group of players they've got there now like like Tembi and um and and a lot of the other girls that are coming through uh, Banyana seem to be to be getting it right now so I uh, I hope that we can find some similar kind of consistency with the. With the national team, look, I I think that qualifying from the Afcon in in March, when that final game is, would be a massive boost. And if they can if they can get to this Afcon, 
and uh, and, and make a good show in there, then I, I think that will that will really really help the the sort of general mood and and maybe help even the the desire to to do well for the national team again. Well, uh, thank you so much, Joe Grant. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, sir. Um, obviously, guys, all the links in the descriptions for his various social medias. Thanks for listening. You can find Joe at his handle, YesWeCran. Please remember to follow and subscribe to our different social media pages. Until next time, cheers.